The only thing that was keeping me from the success in the capital markets was my work ethic, my discipline, and the confidence to bet on myself. I knew I was going to be unlimited because every time I bet on myself, I've won. Anyone can trade. Anyone can invest. Anyone can play the money game. But not everyone can win. I'm Dion Pouncey. My guests and I will share playbooks to ensure you have the tools and skills to dominate the money game. Join us at themoneygamepodcast.com. So as I mentioned earlier, my name is Dion Pouncey, and I am originally from the south side of Chicago. And from those origin days, I have come a long way to now being a licensed Series 3 financial professional hedge fund manager, and the founder of Money School, where I have over 8,000 students in my program currently. To talk about how I got here from Chicago uh, was definitely a life of defying the odds. So I come from a single parent home. I come from Inglewood on the south side of Chicago, and I grew up in the 80s and 90s, where if you just add those couple of things up, All of the statistics were against me or set up for me to fail or set up for me to be in jail or dead or not a responsible citizen, right? Because that was the environment that I grew up in. And those are the things that I experienced growing up on the South Side of Chicago, which was at that time, crime and murder capital of the world. So First, I have to thank my mother uh, for being a light and just a very, very positive figure. But she also literally taught me how to count using money, which now we joke about how it came full circle. So growing up, uh, I really loved math and I love physics. I love science overall, but definitely physics. And so those two things uh, helped me, you know, with my inquisitive mind. I I used to ask a lot of questions and I wanted to know why does this happen or why does that happen? And math and science helped answer a lot of those questions, even the ones that my mom and family members couldn't answer. And so growing up, uh, I took my books very seriously and my mother didn't play as well. Um, But then also I developed a love for sports early. So I played baseball, basketball, and football growing up. And I began to excel in baseball as I began to fall in love with it more and more. Um, I got ranked uh, in high school as one of the top shortstops in the state and around the country. I was offered to go pro uh, out of high school and end up turning it down and went to Hofstra University in Long Island, New York on a baseball scholarship pursuing, you know, not only uh, baseball, but to continue my education and to grow in both areas. Now, although I studied business at Hofstra, my number one goal and priority at that time was to play professional baseball. And although I did play professional baseball in the independent leagues and minor leagues and stuff like that, I did not reach my goal of, you know, reaching the MLB, the show or becoming a Hall of Fame player. Um, But the skills that I developed over the years of patience, self-control, discipline, even somewhat of risk management, you know, deciding if I'm going to go to a party or go to this outing or not. And 
a lot of those skills are transferable in business and as well as trading. On top of that, talking about trading, although I am a licensed professional now, to this day, I still do not have a college degree because I decided to leave school early to pursue uh, my professional baseball dreams. And so after I finished, I didn't have the desire to go back because I wanted to get into business and into entrepreneurship. So I started my first company when I was 24 years old. Uh, just as a side hustle. And if I think back, I actually literally sold candy when I was seven years old in front of my little league in Chicago to pay for my summer uh, baseball program. So I kind of had that bug early, got that from my mom, sold candy in high school. I was a guy who had candy in his locker um, to sell to the kids during uh, class or during school. And then I got brought into the principal office because the vending machine wasn't making any money because I was selling all the candy. So that was hilarious. A lot of those things were uh, just kind of in me as I grew into a man and, and, and decided to step away from baseball. And uh, the first thing I started to do, I was literally selling suits in D.C. I had moved to D.C. I was working for a company in D.C., especially at that time, was a very suit and tie city. So I wore suits a lot. And because I began to wear so many suits, you know, um, I developed this following. This was right at the early, early days, early days of Instagram. And people would know me for dressing very well in suits. And so I just turned it into a side hustle. I took that attention and I drove it into a business. So I would literally go to thrift stores and high-end uh, areas where uh, luxury houses were having estate sales. And I would buy these suits for pennies on a dollar of luxury name brands. And I would rent a table at the Georgetown Flea and I would sell suits. And that was kind of my first official side hustle business as an adult. Um, later in DC, what I began to notice was I would go to a lot of these networking events, trying to drive a business for the company that I was working at. And it was really just like a professional networking event. And so I, I literally was like, this is nothing but a professional party. I can go here, uh, pass out business cards. Everybody gets drunk. And then you try to close a deal later. I was like, well, I've been throwing parties my whole life. You know, I threw parties in high school. I'm a frat boy. I threw parties in college. And so I was like, you know, we could turn this into a professional networking company and uh, grow it. And we become the people that everybody wants to do deals with because it's our events. So we're not chasing everybody trying to drive up business. And so that's what I did. So I started a company called The Ties. It was The Ties Professional Networking Group. And um, we used to do networking events around the D.C. area. And so that allowed me to uh, put myself as the alpha in the room and, and allow the deal flow to flow to me and close a lot of deals that way. And so I was able to see those patterns and connect those dots and make uh, money off of that professional networking group. And so uh, from that, I got recruited by Bacardi Corporate and Team Enterprises as you know, a brand manager for Bacardi, uh, for a brand called Doucet, which at that time um, was pre-launch. And, and most people know now, obviously, that it's half owned by Jay-Z, half owned by Bacardi. And at that time, I was the first guy to be launched as the brand manager on the Bacardi corporate side. 
And literally, I got paid to put on uh, parties, chill with celebrities and, you know, grow the alcohol brand in the DMV area and beyond. And so doing that for a while, uh, I began to see just more and more the power of social media and technology. And this was to 20, you know, 12, 13, 14, as Instagram was growing. And I knew what I did with the suit business. And so I drove up a, a pretty large following at that time. And I noticed that I was the one driving a lot of awareness, a lot of attention, especially at the local events and things like that. So I was like, well, you know, I got high level sales training in my previous business. I got high level marketing training at Bacardi. And so I said, you know, I should be able to do this on my own. And I spent out and started a digital marketing company. And I used to uh, sell digital marketing services, website services, app development services to local and small businesses. And at this time, uh, I had moved down back to Miami and was living in the Brickell area and had a good amount of clients. But one thing I noticed, uh, we were doing project to project. So we did, uh, my company at that time, we did the Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union engagement celebration. And it went well. Um, pictures went viral. The event went good. Everybody had a great time. But at the end of the year, uh, I was 25 at that time. At the end of the year, when I met with my uh, you know, accountant and tax people, I had made $250,000 in that first year of the business and had nothing to show for it, really, because after I paid all the vendors and the fees and the offices and all this stuff, all of the business expenses pretty much wiped away the revenue. And so I was like, wow, here I am, a kid from Southside Chicago, no degree, et cetera, et cetera. Started a business, uh, just believing in myself and made $250,000 in my first year, but I have nothing to show for it, right? So it was a win, but it was also like, wow, uh, we got to do more. We got to set some bigger dreams. And so uh, with that, I pivoted the company from project-based to retainer-based. And that was one of the, the biggest impacts of my life because when I pivoted from project-based to retainer-based, we used to have to provide weekly and monthly metrics to the clients to show their return on their investment that they were spending with us. And that is what gave me access to data. And just the light bulb went off because I seen that data was the true power. And understanding the data, synthesizing the data, being able to make business decisions off the data helped me drive my decision making, not only for myself, my life and my business, but I seen how it impacted other people's lives and business. And I seen how technology was literally eating the world, if you will. And it was going to revolutionize this. And so I was going around selling social media packages, digital packages in 2014, telling local businesses and celebrities and entertainers that you could build up an Instagram following and a Facebook following, and that would drive revenue to your business in real life. Nobody was listening to me. <laughs> it was like talking to a wall in 2014. Now you have influencer marketing, you got social media marketing companies, you have all of this stuff, but I seen it in 2013 and 2014. And so because nobody in Miami was really listening, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just Miami. It's just this area because it's not really as tech savvy at that time. So I said, you know, maybe I need to move to California because California is, you know, kind of the technology center of America and some parts of the world. 
So I decided to move to California and I went over there and I wanted to work on my first tech startup. And that is where I learned technology, learned consulting, learned how to raise money, learned to deal with VCs, learned to deal with founders and end up working on a couple of startups. They didn't work out, but I learned so much from starting them or consulting in them or helping them scale or helping them raise money. And I end up being recruited and working at a venture capital firm in California out of Santa Monica. And that's where I learned the business side of finance. So that venture capital firm had a VC side and it had a hedge slash trading side. Okay. So fast forward, this is now 2018. And so when I'm there and I get access and I get exposure to the hedge and the trading side, it reinvigorates the math and physics nerd inside of me. And I just start going deep on that and learning and reading every book I could, taking courses and uh, really just betting on myself. And so uh, I read a book called Beat the Dealer that taught me how to play blackjack and count cards. And I've had some success in that. And then that was in 2016. And so in 2018, I came across a book called Beat the Market. And it was by the same author. And uh, Edward Thorpe. So shout out to Edward Thorpe. He is definitely somebody I want to meet and connect and do business and talk trading with. I'm just putting that out there in the universe right now. But I read that book and I was like, wait, I know the success that I had in playing blackjack. And he took this same, you know, essential skill set and applied it to the market and, and now runs two multiple multi-billion dollar hedge funds. And so again, I'm like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So at that time, literally December 26, 2018, I decided I wanted to be a hedge fund manager and was working on it ever since. And so now I am a licensed series three systematic hedge fund manager. And uh, from that day, you know, I just began to, again, like I said, read books, take courses and, and start trading and investing and betting on myself. And literally, you know, I traded in my SIM for a couple of months before I ever made a live trade. And then I started my first account, which is $1,500. Um, so I said all of that in summary to say, especially as we're kicking off this first episode, is that faith over fear will always win, number one. Number two, if you truly believe that you can do something, then nothing in the universe will stop you. And then you have to put in the time, the energy, the effort, the patience, the self-control, the discipline, work on it diligently until you manifest that dream into reality. And so over the course of this podcast, I'm going to be showing insight, teaching insight, and interviewing other professionals who have similar and or greater stories to be able to show you practical things that you can use to help your business and or lifestyle dreams come to life. So I've always been passionate about lifestyle design, and it's probably because when I was a kid growing up in that rough environment, a lot of times I had to use my mind to imagine living in better scenarios, living in better locations, and even in better weather <laughs> growing up in those winters. Uh, but I got exposed to the levels of money and wealth relatively early. So my family, we don't come from money. And my grandfather was a patriarch. He he died when I was nine years old. And, you know, he was 
a working man. He was a provider. And then my mother, my grandmother got a job. And then my mom has been working, you know, ever since she was 16. So we've always been kind of as a family in like a blue collar is lower to middle, middle class or and over the years, higher middle class level set. Right. But when I was in sixth grade, I had the opportunity to play for a U team. And my AAU teammate, his dad was the coach. And um, I lived uh, right off of 65th and Cottage Grove on 65th and Langley, actually. And they lived on 48th, right in High Park. I don't want to say where they lived because they still own that property. But they had a mansion in High Park. So literally two blocks over to Cottage Grove and approximately 17 blocks down. So 19 blocks away from me, still on the south side, they lived in like a 40-room mansion, okay? Ginormous. Basically, every teammate on the team had a room in this uh, house, and we would be over for the weekends for our games and stuff like that, okay? So, and I also seen a complete family. So I seen a mother and a father, and I seen the kids, and I seen the different levels of wealth. And so my coach uh, was a, a, a attorney, and his son is now an attorney. And I seen how much money they made and lifestyle that they lived. And I wanted that. And I seen some of those things on TV. And I also now have the opportunity to see it in real life with them. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to design my lifestyle so that when I get older, I'm going to be able to live on my terms and do what I want and travel and be able to use money to work for me. Because as I learned in having conversations with that coach. And then I played in the Hamptons Collegiate Baseball League when I was in college. So I lived in the Hamptons and my house dad was um, a legendary stockbroker. So I have had the opportunity to sit down and ask different people at levels of wealth at different points in my life, you know, how they acquired their wealth, uh, how did they kept their wealth and what were their focuses? And a lot of them had the same answers was, you know, working to get what they wanted to live the lifestyle that they wanted and then to get their money to work for them and then to get their money to build generational wealth. And so as I began to learn those things, those are the things that I wanted for myself. And I wanted to design a life that I would live that would be able to do those things and to be able to make sure that my family and no one in my bloodline would ever have to experience the things that I experienced. And so those things became priority to me. Um, and so I would literally write them out, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to wear, where I wanted to live, what I wanted to drive, how I wanted to travel, countries I wanted to visit into. And I would literally go step by step in designing my future self. And then I would acknowledge where I am right now versus where I wanted to be. And then I would create plans to help me get closer to those goals. Okay. Not every plan worked out, but the overall vision and the forward movement toward those is something that really, really helped. And then traveling allows you to be exposed to different lifestyles, different cultures, different perspectives, different languages, uh, different architecture. The way you might design your house might be inspired by a trip that you took, right? So getting out of the South side of Chicago, seeing other people, seeing other cultures, seeing other opportunities also broadened my horizon to say, hey, this is not just it. Because literally to this day, I know people on the South side of Chicago that have never even been downtown Chicago and downtown is a beautiful place, right? And I have family members, my uncle, 
his first time ever on a flight. He's about 58 to 59 years old right now. His first time ever on a flight was to come visit me in Miami uh, two years ago. And so, you know, just seeing that and understanding that, but also wanting more, uh, I really wanted to be able to learn the skills and the tools and the principles that would not only help me design a lifestyle that I wanted to live, but manifesting those dreams into reality. And I always talk to people and they always mention stocks or investing or trading. So it was always in the back of my mind. And then when I had the opportunity to learn about it and to seize it, and I really realized that basically the only thing that was keeping me from the success in the capital markets was my work ethic, my discipline, and the confidence to bet on myself, I knew I was going to be unlimited because every time I bet on myself, I've won. And I had to do that to defy a lot of odds growing up. And so I want to be able to help you all learn those things and be able to do and have practical skills that you could do that as well. So in every episode, I will want to talk about practical things that you can actually implement. And the first one, a lot of people ask me, you know, how did I become a hedge fund manager or why did I become a hedge fund manager? And a lot of people like to remind me that it's 7,000 hedge funds on the planet. There are less than 100 uh, minority owned hedge funds. Uh, as far as black and brown founders. Last year, $73 trillion went into uh, the hedge fund industry and minority managers got less than 1.5% of that. So uh, it's some people would consider an uphill battle in reaching the goals that I have for the industry. But again, I've been defying odds my whole life. So I want to give you some uh, insight, just not only in the hedge fund industry, but also becoming a trader. And it doesn't mean that you have to become a professional trader or investor, but you can develop these skills to be able to have your money work for you and change your financial future and put your financial future in your hands. Okay. So yes, I was at a venture capital firm that had a trading side of the house. Okay. Um, but I was not one of the traders. I was actually on the investor relations side of the house, mostly, uh, I was in, I was head of athletic market development. So it was my job to uh, recruit and raise money from professional athletes and celebrities to invest into the fund. Okay, um, but like I mentioned, I on my in my personal time migrated to the head side of the house, asked questions, read books, and things like that. So when I began to research, I came across this guy, Edward Thorpe, okay? And again, I read the Beat the Dealer book, and so I came across his book for Beat the Market that was specifically talking about the capital markets. And so first and foremost, I read that book. Most of the things that I've done in or changed in my life, I was inspired by a book or a course, or I had the inspiration and I sought out that knowledge from a book, a course, or a mentor. This is why I always talk about that um, even in my program where I have thousands of students that I mentor and teach and trade with now, um, it's because I know how important and impactful that is. So beat the market, Edward Thorpe, right? So that's one practical thing you could be able to potentially buy the book, read it for yourself and learn what he did, right? Um, the second book that helped me kind of identify the type of hedge fund that I wanted to run uh, was called, the second book was called The Quants. 
And the third book was called The Physics of Finance. Okay. So the quants taught me about high frequency trading and systematic trading and how computer engineers used uh, computer programs and used algorithms to trade for them. So they weren't even trading as humans anymore. Right. So I went from not really knowing about trading and investing to learning about how you can use math and physics and computer engineering to get robots to trade for you. And so I knew I had to crawl, walk, run. But I knew that the ultimate goal that I wanted was to have a systematic or algorithmic hedge fund. And so then I began to learn about Jim Simons. Jim Simons to this day, uh, Renaissance Technology, he is the most successful quant on the planet, runs multiple multi-billion dollar hedge funds and has had the greatest and consistent uh, greatest amount of consistency in returns ever produces like over 30, 40 percent returns annually for the last 30 years straight. Uh, and this is just a phenomenal thing. And so he has Renaissance Technologies. And so that became like the goat for me, and, you know, for playing sports, you know, basketball players might call Michael Jordan the goat, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I'm from Chicago, so he's definitely the goat in basketball. But to really understand that I wanted to see who was at the top and then I wanted to start to mirror my game um, around these different topics. And so hedge funds was at the top of the capital markets for me, you know, hedge funds, venture capital firms, private equity firms. Then I wanted to decide what type of firm. And so I learned about the different types of firms. And then once I decided I wanted to be a quant and run a quant shop or algo shop or a system shop, I started to find and look for who was the top quant in the game, right? And began to design the type of trader and investor and hedge fund manager that I wanted to become. And so that even led me to decide which license I wanted to acquire first, which is why I have the series three because of the type of uh, financial instruments that I want to trade and invest in and to scale from. Okay. So the practical steps is first, first and foremost is understanding who you are and what you want. Okay. Number one, number two, understanding why you do what you do or why you are here, because those things are wrapped up in your purpose. And if you are following your purpose and you're not making money, your number one, money will then flow to you, okay? So your purpose being number one and your purpose can be broken down into two compartments, understanding who you are and why you do what you do, all right? The next thing is once you understand your purpose, all right, then you can decide how you want to reach those goals. So you can have your purpose and then you can set goals. So number two would be setting goals, and then number three would be creating a step-by-step -step game plan on how you will reach those goals. And in the beginning, you might not know the steps, but that's where the research comes. That's where the reading comes. That's where the studying comes so that you can identify, you know, what does success look like in this purpose or in this industry or in this uh, field? And then fourth is you can try to find some uh, successful examples, people who have had success in the realm that you want to, right? And study them. Why were they great at what they did? How did they do what they do? What did they actually do? 
Okay. If they're alive, if you can learn from them. So you, if you, if they have a book or you could take their course or you can get mentored from them. Right. And then the last part is you got to actually go out and execute. You got to get it done. Okay. And it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but if you do it, 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 and you reach your goal, it will feel like it is worth it for you. Okay. So those are the practical steps that I want you to be able to take away from today's episode in the money game. Okay. So thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to continuing uh, this journey with you guys. And I want to leave you by sending you some energy. So the third law of physics is for every action, there's an equal or opposite reaction. Okay. For Newtonian physics. So I want to send you some energy, right? I'm going to send it to you for two reasons. One, because I genuinely want you to receive it. And two, because I know selfishly, once I send that energy out, it must come back to me. Okay. So love, light, peace, wealth, great health, and great abundance to each of you guys. Have a great day. And thank you again for joining. Peace. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Money Game. For more Money Game secrets, visit themoneygamepodcast.com. And be sure to share the podcast with someone you know that is looking to level up. And as always, love, light, peace, wealth, great health, and abundance to each of you.